It's stupid hot in Memphis. Is that anybody else feeling that? It's not supposed to be this hot, right? And if you're from out of town, I would love to lie to you and say Memphis isn't always hot, but it, it is. It's just um, get ready for the fall, though. It, it won't always be this bad like all semester. It won't always be like 99 degrees, 104 degrees in the shade. It won't always be like that. Um, but again, thank you. I need that drink. I need that drink. Let's get started. Let's jump into it tonight. How many guys watched the Olympics like a few weeks ago? Watched some of the Tokyo Olympics? I see some, yeah, some of y'all did, some of y'all didn't. Some of y'all are like, what's the Olympics? What is that? That sounds interesting. Um, we watched the Olympics. We watched a few different events. Uh, my family, so we've got some runners in my family, some track and field, some cross-country people. Is that anybody who likes to run? We got a few of those. So we watched those track events for sure. We watched the swimming for sure. We watched uh, gymnastics. I mean, that was awesome. Some diving, some other stuff, uh, some other stuff that we weren't even trying to watch, but it was on. Like, okay, we're going to watch skateboarding, we're going to watch this. Um, I didn't even know this was an Olympic sport, but apparently they're doing it, right? All kinds of Olympic sports. Some of them are solo sports, right? It's just you competing, getting the best time, lifting the most weight, doing the most whatever. Some of them are team sports, right? You can't do it by yourself. You need somebody else, right? You need a team of two, team of three, team of four, however many. One of those team sports is men's basketball. You may have watched any men's basketball during the Olympics. A few of y'all did. So men's basketball is kind of weird, especially the way the United States does it, right? Some of these teams from other countries, they've been playing together for years to get ready for the Olympics, right? And so they are gelled together as a team. They know what the other ones are going to do. They got their positions. They got it all figured out. They play well together because they've been practicing this whole time. The United States doesn't do it that way, right? We're like, oh, there's an Olympics coming up? Man, we need a team, and we just grab a few guys out of the NBA. Like, okay, you're a great player, you're a great player. Let's put y'all together. You're going to practice for a little while, and then you're going to play in the Olympics, right? And so what's the problem there, right? Why, why does that sound good on paper, but not actually super great in reality? Because even though these guys, some of them are superstars, phenomenal players, they don't necessarily have the teamwork of the team that's been playing together for years, right? And so some of the problems this created, we saw it in the very first round of the Olympics that the United States lost in basketball to France, right? We lost the first game. Did you guys see that? We lost to France because, like, again, we got some sensational players, but their teamwork was a little better. We came at it next game, we did a little better, we won. Next game, we did a little better, we won. We won. In fact, we swept from there, faced France again in the finals for the gold medal, and they won, right? So the men's basketball team, they, they, they won the gold medal. Um, but teamwork is critical. It's not enough just to be like super, super good for a team sport, right? Kevin Durant can't just carry the whole Olympic team by himself, right? You, you need to be able to work together as a team. We need each other, right? And, and no, no one person can carry it by themselves. So Saturday after next, right, next weekend is University of Memphis's football home opener. Anybody planning to go to that, see the first home football game? You get in free as students. Some of you guys are like, I don't care if it's free, I still, it's football. Uh, some of you guys have to go, right? Some of you guys are in the band. Izzy, I'm looking at you. And so our first home, home opener is Saturday after next. Some of us are going to go to the game together. You said, I've never been to a football game before. I'll check it out. I'll see what's going on. Then we can go together. You can sit with friends, sit in the student section. It's a good time. It's fun. It'll be good. So picture, picture it's our home opener. I believe we're playing Nichols State, right? And our coach, Coach Silverfield, um, loses the toy, coin toss, or, or the other team decides, man, they're going to go on offense first. We're on defense first for that open and play. Coach Silverfield just sends out one lone defensive lineman, right, against the other team of 11. Now, the refs will never allow that, but just for the sake, right, sake of it, right? Imagine he sends out just one player, 
right, by himself to stop the offensive line of 11 other dudes, right? What's going to happen here? Absolutely steamrolling. I don't care how big dude is, right? I don't care how big a superstar he is. I don't care that he can bench 8,000 pounds. It won't matter, right? One guy against 11 guys, forget about it, right? Uh, that, that he needs a team, right? He needs a whole team. He needs the whole line. In fact, if any one of them's missing, I mean, that's a critical problem. Uh, they're they're, they're going to struggle there, right? We need a team. A lot like basketball, a lot like football, your life is a team sport, right? We need each other to get through it. Not one of us can get through it all by ourselves. Nobody is superstar enough to say, I can get through life and I don't need anybody. Now, some people may have that attitude, I don't need anybody, but it's not true. Right? We need each other. We need each other. Your life is a team sport. We are built to live in community. I need you. You need the person next to you. They need the person behind them. We need each other. We need each other. We're built for community, and we need each other. We're not supposed to face down the trials and struggles of life like that lone linebacker, right, on the line all by himself. We need help. We need other people. We're not made to go it alone. We're made for community. We long for meaningful relationships and the encouragement of a group where we know we're accepted. We know that we're loved. We know that we're going to be encouraged. We need that. We're built for that. I'm talking about my freshman year, right? So when I uh, was in some of y'all's shoes, just graduated high school, went off to college. Uh, there are a few people that went from my high school, went to the same college, uh, but not anybody I was real close with, right? So I step on a campus of 26,000 people and feel really lonely, right? I don't, I don't know anybody. Uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have any friends, nothing built in. My, my roommate, he seems kind of cool, but like, I don't know anybody. And it's lonely. Even though it's a huge crowd, there's people in every direction. Some of you guys may come from a small town. Some of you guys may be homeschooled background. You've never seen crowds as big as like walking to class, right? But you can still, even in a big crowd, you can feel lonely. You may have ever experienced that. Even in a huge crowd, you can feel isolated and alone because uh, you don't have that close connection. You don't have community. Just being in a crowd, that's not community, right? Community is that deeper relational connection. So I show up my freshman year and I don't know anybody. I don't have community, right? When we don't have community, I mean, you make some stupid decisions, right? So I made some stupid decisions. Right? Those first few days of class, uh, I, mean, I ended up at parties I had no business being at. I'm like, this isn't me. What am I even doing? I was hungry for community, hungry for friendship, right? Thankfully, and there was Kyle on my campus, right? Thankfully, the, man, the campus pastor, uh, he bugged me, hey, let me, let me take you out for lunch, let me meet you. Okay, I'll go. I'll go, I'll go to this group, I'll go to this Kyle for group, see what it's about. Uh, and so I was a Christian when I came to college, but no exaggeration, Kyle is what helped keep me a Christian in college, okay? The temptation on the college campus was so strong, like gravity, just pulling you down. Uh, and even though, man, I love Jesus, I was a Christian when I showed up on campus, Kyle was instrumental in helping me keep my faith in college. And sadly, so many Christian young adults, man, fall away from the Lord, man, get out of the habit of going to church, man, get out of the habit of reading the Bible, fall away from God during their college years. And a big part of that is not having that community. So, man, I'm super thankful for the community that I had. Man, we had a small group, guys, Bible study, they met in the basement of this dorm. Uh, that was huge for me, right? These older guys in the faith, man, sophomores, upperclassmen, juniors that were big brothers to me in the faith, encouraged me, helped me grow in the Lord. Um, and Kalfa was instrumental to me, helped me to grow in my faith. Um, Kalfa was that family for me that really encouraged me, man. They were there for me in tough situations, there for me in hard times, there for me when my heart was broken because something didn't work out the way I wanted to, there for me when I couldn't figure out what I was doing with my life, uh, man. There for to love and encourage me every step of the way. There for me when I had some some health problems I didn't know what was going on. Hey, we'll we'll drive you to the doctor. We'll figure it out. Uh, they were there for me, man. Kalfa was there for me. 
right? They were that community. They had my back, right? When I needed a friend, they were there. And that's exactly what we want to be for you. And we want to be that for each and every one of you. Um, and that, that family you can depend on, that community that you can lean on. When, col- when college gets stressful, and it will, some of you guys said, I'm already there. But when it gets stressful and it will, we want to be there, man, to encourage you, to say, you got this. Say, hey, lean on my shoulder. We want to help you out. We want to help you get through it. We want to be that community for you. Because we need community, right? We need community. We're built for it. We struggle without it when we don't have it. So government statistics uh, tell us that anywhere from a third to half of college freshmen, this is the United States, will either drop out or flunk out at the end of their freshman year. That's a lot, right? No, that's not going to mean of you guys, right? I'm saying just in general. Statistically, I mean, a lot of college freshmen end up either dropping out, saying, I can't do this anymore, or, or they're flunking out. Um, and so they tried to do studies to figure out what that was, right? And some of you guys maybe had intimidating professors. They're like, man, I'm on purpose, going to try to intimidate you so you'll drop this class. Um, and some students uh, study because it's, it's a lot of work, or I'm sorry, some students struggle because the studies are a lot of work, they're not prepared for it. Um, but by and large, that's not the primary factor that they found was causing these students to drop out and flunk out. The primary factor was a deep loneliness and lack of community. This is a quote from the Chronicle of Higher Education. It says, studies show that these students were not by and large flunking out, just failing their classes. Academically, they could have stayed in school, but they didn't. The theory was and remains that what drove these students out of college was an alienation, a sense of not belonging. Students need to feel like they belong. Right? College experience can be incredibly lonely. That lost in the crowd feeling makes you feel more isolated, more alone. And that's part of the reason that depression and suicide rates are highest among your age than any other demographic. Because it's a lonely season, right? We need community, we need each other. It can be a lonely, lonely time. You can be surrounded by thousands of other students but still feel isolated and disconnected because uh, you need those meaningful meaningful relationships of real community. Uh, many students can't take that isolation, right? So they're like, man, after their freshman year, like, no, I don't think college is for me. I'm going to drop out. I'm going to move back home. I'm going to do something else. This is not for me because of the loneliness, because they don't have that community uh, to encourage them. A couple years ago, the administration right here at the University of Memphis, um, they sent a representative to speak to the various pastors and chaplains and religious life leaders on campus to speak to us about a few different things. Um, One of the things that really stood out to me in this presentation, uh, uh, that according to a study the University of Memphis had done, they had found that the highest retention rate for students were among those that were uh, belonged to some kind of faith organization, right? So University of Memphis tracks yeah. What percentage of our students are graduating? What percentage of our students are making it all the way through, not dropping out? And they saw the highest retention rate among students that were plugged into some kind of faith community, some kind of religious community. Uh, and I don't think that's on accident, right? Because in those communities, and they're going to get the encouragement they need to press through when things are tough, right? They're growing in the relationship with the Lord, right? Which is helping with the mental stress and the emotional stress of college, right? There's, there's a reason why those students are the ones that are the most successful. The university recognizes it, that our students need to be in communities that are going to encourage them emotionally, right? Mentally, socially, but then also spiritually. It's way too difficult to go it alone. We need a community that's there for us to encourage us and support us. Man, that's what Kyle is. That's what Kyle wants uh, to be for you, a family to be there for you when things get tough. Kyle is a place where everyone is welcome, everyone's accepted, everyone belongs. It doesn't matter man, what you've come from, what you've done. Uh, we're a community that was going to love you and encourage you to be the person that God's created you to be. 
the core values of Chi Alpha can be summed up in two words. You ready for these two words? The core value, what's Chi Alpha all about, can be summed up in two words. Love well. We want to be a community that loves well. Like loves, but then like really loves. Like loves God well, loves people well. We want to be a community that loves well. So the three major ways we do that. First and foremost, we want to be a community that loves God well. That loves God well. When Jesus was asked which of all the commandments was the most important, right? Someone asked Jesus a question. Jesus, there's a lot of commandments right here when I'm looking at the law. Which of them is the most important? Like, you had to pick one. Jesus, what's the most important? Um, he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That is the most important thing to get right. If you get that right, then you're likely going to get everything else right, too. The most important thing is that we love God. With all that we've got, in all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, everything, every part of you, uh, loving God. He says you can't go wrong there. Just love God well. And we want to be a community that does that, a community that loves God well. We want to pursue Him together in prayer. Right? We want to take time together and pray for one another um, and pray for the campus, uh, pray for each other's individual faith journeys and growing in the Lord. You know, remember, remember Tuesday mornings, we're going to pray uh, 9.30, UC 208, 9.30 to 10.30, we're going to pray. Um, we're going to glorify Him together and worship. We're going to take the time to worship together, praise the Lord uh, together. We're going to do things that glorify Him and honor Him. We're going to make sure we study His Word together, study the Bible together, uh, grow in our, our relationship with the Lord together. We're going to make sure Jesus is at the center of everything that we do. We want to love God well. Right? We want to be a community that helps you to love God well. And, and we want to make sure I mean, that's, that's at the center of everything we do. The second thing, we want to be a community that loves each other well. We want to love God well, but we also want to love each other well. Jesus said the other most important command was to love your neighbor as yourself. So yes, love God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind, but also love your neighbor as yourself. So we want to be a community that loves each other well, loves one another well. How can you tell, I'm going to ask you a question, how can you tell if someone is a Dallas Cowboys fan? It's not a joke. Like what, how, how can you tell if someone's a big fan of a sports team? Yeah, they might have the hat, they might have the shirt, they might have the jacket, right? So you can tell someone's a big Grizzlies fan, they might have the Grizzlies hat on. Yeah, how can you tell if someone's a, a vegetarian? That's right, they're probably going to tell you, right? They're going to make sure you know. That's one of the first things you're going to hear. Uh, and they're not going to eat meat, right? That's another, that's another thing, right? Uh, there, there's ways that you can identify certain people. Well, how can you tell if someone is a Christian? How can you tell if someone is a believer? Can you tell just by looking at someone's life if they're following Jesus, if they're a disciple of Jesus, if they're following God? Can you just tell that? Well, Jesus says you can. John chapter 13, verse 34 says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus says that this is the defining characteristic of a Christian, right? The defining characteristic of a Christian is that we love other people well, right? He says everyone's going to know that you're a Christian. Everyone's going to know that you're one of my followers if you love other people well. That's how you're going to know. That's the, the evidence, right? That's the defining characteristic. Not that as a Christian you're perfect and you never sin, right? Uh, it's not that you always get everything right. Um, now, we should be trying to like overcome sin, should be trying to improve our lives, uh, but, but, but it's not that we're always going to get it right. 
It's not that it's not that we read the Bible all the time, pray 24/7. Uh, it's not that. It, it, you know, it's not that, that, that we're fasting. It's not that we do this or that. Uh, it's not that we wear, man, a Christian T-shirt with like, like a Bible verse all over. And man, if you want to do that, do you? That's cool. Um, no, you can you can lead a life of holiness. You can read the Bible. You can pray constantly. But if you don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're not really following Jesus. That's what it says, right? This is the defining characteristic. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if what you love one another. If you love one another. Because if you don't love one another, Jesus says, you missed it, right? That's, that's the big one, right? We've got to love God with all our heart, and we've got to love one another. That's the way you're gonna, someone's going to tell if you're a Christian, is if you love one another. The world's going to recognize that you're a follower of Jesus to the degree that you love each other, love your brothers and sisters. Um, and they're not. if they look at your life and they don't see that love, uh, they're not going to know that you follow Jesus. They're just going to say, oh, there goes another mean upright religious person, right? And the world's already got plenty of those, right? The defining characteristic for a believer is that they love each other well. We want to be a community that loves one another well. And finally, we want to be a community that loves those around us well, right? So we want to love each other well, man. In this room, in this community, in the life groups, man, is a, is a time we really get to love, share life together, encourage one another, pray for one another, lean on one another. But then also the people outside this room, man, the people in your dorm, the people in your classes, the people on this campus, your coworkers, right? Uh, your, your friends, your family members. We want to love the people around us in this community well. We want to love the city of Memphis well. I really believe this with all my heart, that Jesus intended for the message of God to be carried into the world by people whose lives demonstrate the love of God. Right? It's one thing to have the message of God. right? He, oh, here's what God says. Here's what his word says. But Jesus intended that the message of God would be accompanied by people whose lives demonstrate the love of God. And when they see that love, oh, okay, all of a sudden the message is more appealing. The message is more attractive because you actually love me. You actually care about me, right? Um, that, man, that, that, the two should be inseparable. And so we love each other in a couple different ways. First is meeting those physical needs that people have. 1 John 3, 17 says this. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother and sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? John's asking a question, right? And you see someone has a legitimate need. I mean, they've got a real problem. And you can help, right? You can do something to help. Maybe you can't make the problem just go away, but you can do something to help. But you're just like, nah, I can't be bothered with it. John says, I don't, I don't see the God's love anywhere in you. Right? That, that God's love in us should move us to compassion when we see a need and we should want to meet it. That's what love is. Love sees a need, and then it meets the need, right? It recognizes, man, this person has a need. What can I do? It moves me to action. What can I do to help? Maybe this person, man, they're, they're waiting for the next paycheck, and they're, they're really struggling, and, man, I, man, I can get their next meal, right? I can take them to the grocery store, right? I can get them a couple things that tie them over, right, until payday, until Friday comes. Right? This person doesn't have a car and needs a ride and can't get to this important place. Man, I, I can drive them. I can figure it out. I can pay for their Uber or something, right? There, there's something that we can do. You can't fix everybody's problem. No one expects you to. But there's people in your life that are going to have real legitimate needs, and God wants to use you to meet those needs. I really believe that. He wants you to demonstrate the love of God in a physical, tangible way by helping those around you. Sometimes it's just being a listening ear to a friend that's really stressed out and just needs to talk about it, just needs to cry, and you can just nod and say, that's really hard. I'm so sorry. Uh, and, and just love them and just be there for them, right? Sometimes it's just being that shoulder to cry on, just being that hug from someone that really needs a hug, right? And that's, that's meeting a physical need in a real way. What does it look like for us to show tangible love that meets the needs for those around us? Because real love 
finds a need and it meets it. And we also, man, we want to we want to serve our community. And we want to look at, hey, what are some needs in Memphis? And what are some ways we can do to really serve that? What are some needs on the campus as Cal that we can mobilize and serve and meet those needs? So sometimes we may take up money. Uh, man, we may take up take up an offering. Uh, uh, we may we may take up an offering on Cash App. Say, hey, give to this. None of that's going going to us when we do that. Man, but we may give to uh, give to a missionary who's doing important work. I mean, we may give to maybe disaster relief. And right now, there's so many tough things happening in the world. Right, right here in Tennessee. I mean, floods there in Middle Tennessee. Of course, the terrible situation uh, with earthquakes in Haiti and the the, the awful circumstances in Afghanistan. And we say, hey, we want to raise some money for that. Um, they're, they're the compassion arm of Chi Alpha is an organization called Feed One, and you're going to hear more about that in the weeks to come. Feed One feeds hungry kids, right? Really simply, it raises money to, to feed hungry children around the world. Um, but we want to we really show the love of Jesus in a tangible way by meeting real needs as well. And the other thing that we want to help is recognize and meet spiritual needs of the people around us. We should be also moved with compassion by the spiritual needs of those around us. Those around us, again, in your classes, uh, and in your dorms, and friends, family members, people that are far from God, people that don't know Jesus. Some of you may be here tonight and you say, that's me. Man, man I, don't, I don't really know God. Or maybe I'm far away from God. I've never put my trust in Jesus to, to have my sins forgiven and make me right with God. And, and you can do that tonight, right? Tonight can be your night. Tonight can be the night that you put your trust in Jesus and everything you've done wrong is forgiven and washed clean. And you can have a fresh start with the Lord. Begin your relationship with God now, tonight. Right? Some of you guys say, man, I may have prayed a prayer like that years ago. But if I'm being honest right now, I'm so far away from God. You can make it right tonight, right? You can put your trust in Jesus. He can forgive you. He can wash you clean. First John 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He loves you, right? We sang about that. He loves you. He really loves you. Uh, he wants you close to him. And some of you guys, we're going to pray here in a minute, can pray to, to reconnect with God tonight. But we want to be moved with compassion when there's people around us that are far from God. Man, man, they're lost, they're hopeless, they don't know the Lord, they don't know the hope, the joy that you found in Jesus. Uh, we want to be the people that God uses to share hope with them. Amen? We want to share uh, our testimony with them. And here, here are the difference Jesus made in, in my life. Um, we want to share the gospel with them. Uh, we're going to use that word a lot here in Kyle for the gospel. What do I mean by the gospel? So when you hear gospel, I want you to think this. The good news about what God has done for us through Jesus. That's the gospel. So, so you, hear, you hear that word, the gospel? What is that? Gospel just means good news. The good news of what God has done for you and you and you and you for all of us through Jesus. What, what did God do for us through Jesus? Well, he sent Jesus first and foremost. Right? He sent Jesus to do for us what we can never do for ourselves. Jesus is God's son who stepped into human history, lived a human life. Uh, he lived a life that we should have lived but couldn't, right? Because all of us may sin, make mistakes, um, and do things that are selfish, prideful, hurt ourselves, hurt other people, what the Bible calls sin. Uh, these things that, that hurt our own lives and also damage our relationship with God. And that's why God sent Jesus, because he loved you too much to leave you that way, separated from him, estranged from him. He sent Jesus to live that perfect life, and then Jesus suffered and died a horrible death on the cross, right? He was betrayed, he was publicly executed, and in that horrible situation, God worked a miracle. And he took all the punishment for everything we've ever done wrong, and he laid it on Jesus' shoulders instead. So instead of me receiving justice for everything that I've done wrong, and all the evil, wicked things that I've done, I can receive grace and mercy and forgiveness from God instead. That's the good news of the gospel, that God loves you and he wants to forgive you 
not just by ignoring your sin, but then Jesus already paid the penalty for it on the cross. Then Jesus died. But it doesn't stop there. Right? Three days later, God raised Jesus from the dead. He appeared to hundreds of eyewitnesses, proving that he was who he says he was, right? That he was the Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah. When he promises eternal life for everyone that puts their trust in him, you can believe it because he rose from the dead and appeared to hundreds of people. And then he ascended to heaven with a promise that one day he's coming back for us. And in the meantime, now we want to tell people about him. We want to share that good news. Hey, if you heard the good news of what God's done for you in Jesus, and he sent Jesus so that we can be forgiven, so we can have relationship with God, right? So we can go to heaven when this life is over and be with him forever. That's the gospel. And so one of the ways that we show love to the people around us is just sharing that. Hey, have you heard about Jesus? Here's what he's done for me. He can do it for you too, amen? Let's wrap up here. You have a lot of options out there, different clubs, different activities that you can be a part of. Lots of different forms of community, right? And there's like, if you, were, if you were to hop on University of Memphis's website, look at all the student organizations, there's like eight bazillion. That's a, a rough estimate. Um, there's a lot of communities you can be a part of. There's a lot of things that you can join in. Um, but as you're looking for a community that you're really going to plug into, that you're really going to commit to, um, I want you to kind of ask these questions of yourself as you're looking at communities. Ask yourself these questions. Is this community going to help me grow closer to God? Not all of them will. Some might do the opposite, right? Is this community going to really help me grow closer to God, help me grow in my relationship with God? Will this community accept me and be there for me no matter what, no strings attached, right? Not going to judge you. Man, your, your past doesn't matter, right? They're going to love you, accept you. You belong right where you're at, no strings attached. Will this community help me to develop into the person God wants me to be? Right? Are you really going to challenge me to grow, help me to grow, help me to be better? We would love for you to make Talfa your home, your family away from home. Right? We want to be brothers, sisters for you. We want to encourage you. We would love for you to be that uh, and, and really plug in, really, really jump in. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know you yet, but I have a feeling we could be best friends, right? If we could just get to know each other. Uh, and, and I want to hear your story. Uh, man, we would we, definitely love to do life with you uh, and, and just be there to help you every step of the way. I mean, we love you guys. Uh, I want to take some time and pray. And then we got one last thing that we're going to do before going to get insomnia cookies, okay? Can we take some time and pray? You guys bow your heads. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this, our first meeting of a new semester. Um, God, thank you for new faces, new friends that we've met tonight, God. Thank you just for the privilege of coming and worshiping you together, of learning about you together, God, being encouraged, having fun, laughing together, God. God, thank you for your love for us, God. God, thank you that you love us too much to see us far away from you, and you sent your son Jesus to do for us what we can never do for ourselves. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And if you're, your head's bowed right now, you, you're praying, I, I just encourage you to pray to God on your own. To God, you see where I'm at. You see where I'm at in my relationship with you, if I have any kind of relationship with you at all. God, you see where I'm at. You see my need. God, would you meet me right here in this moment? In a psychology auditorium, on a college campus, on a Wednesday night, would you meet me right here, God? I want to encounter with you. I would love to leave this room forever changed because I had an encounter with you, God. 
And in this moment, my heads are bowed, eyes are closed, you're just focused in on God. If you're here tonight and you say, Matt, I've, I've never prayed to put my trust in Jesus like that, to put my trust not in myself, but in Jesus and what he did on the cross to save me and make me right with God and give me eternal life. And you want to pray that tonight? Would you just put your hand up real quick so I can pray with you? Say, Matt, that's me. Would you pray with me? I see one hand. I see two hands. Thank you. Anybody else? Three hands, four hands. Anybody else? Five. Well, just pray along with me uh, and me and deep down in your heart. Uh, Father God, I believe that you love me. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to save me. God, right now in this moment, I put my trust in Jesus. Not any good or bad things that I've done, but put my trust completely in you, Jesus, and what you did on the cross to save me. God, would you forgive me of my sins? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live for you from this day forward? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Those that, that prayed that for the first time. And I'm so excited for you that you have a forever home in heaven, that you do have a fresh start with God, a clean slate. Uh, when God looks at you, man, he doesn't see your mistakes, he doesn't see your failures. He's a precious son and daughter of God adopted into the family of God. You have a room in his house. You have a seat at his table. He loves you. And some of you guys in here need to pray. Uh, Matt, man, I prayed a prayer like that. Maybe it was years ago. Maybe it was months ago. But right now in this moment, I know I'm not where I need to be with God. I'm far from God. Would you pray uh, that, that God would draw me back to himself and I'd have that close walk with him like I used to have? If that's you, and say, Matt, would you pray for me for that? Would you throw a hand up real quick? I'd love to pray for you. Say, Matt, I just know I'm not where I need to be. Thank you. Several hands, several hands. Let's pray. Father God, um, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy. Thank you that you're a God of a million second chances, God. We don't want to abuse your grace or take it for granted, but God, we know that you love us. You're a good father, God. You're quick to forgive us. You want to welcome us home. And God, I pray, Lord, for those that raise a hand, God, just draw them to yourself by your Holy Spirit. Draw them back into that close relationship, close walk with you, God, uh, and help them to just get grow in you to be the man, woman of God that you called them to be. For all the other students here tonight, I just pray for your blessing on their life. God, that you would reveal your yourself to them in truth. Let them know who you are. Let them know how precious they are to you, how much you love them. God, I just pray, Lord, that they, just from tonight, would just get a greater revelation for you, who you are, and the plans that you have for them, God. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.